This is a Rooster Teeth production. Hello, Charles. Hi, John. All right, we're talking time travel, which always makes sense and is easy to figure out, right? Uh, yes, it always makes sense. Yeah. Um, so let's just, let's just start off with a jaunty little question of like, you know, in the world where time travel actually exists, either you have to have a mm-hmm. DeLorean or you have to hold on to an Arnold Schwarzenegger or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. You, Charles, you get to have mm-hmm. one round trip of time travel. I'm curious, what do you use it for? One round trip, and yeah. I okay. Uh, do I just get to have a vehicle of my choice of my choosing for this? So I get to yeah, let's play that. It? Let's play in that space. How how do you time travel first? Um, I uh, channel the cosmic forces of the galaxy and use them to fling myself backwards through time. Obviously, Ooh, very a vehicle witchy, is like just a, a vehicle is just so so garish. Um, no, <laughs> yeah, natural means only. <laughs> um yeah i'm going back to africa and warning everybody that's oh. that's that's really it yeah you're gonna have you're gonna have to it. warn a lot of people oh yeah and i mean like if i am channeling cosmic energies to go into the past you can bet your ass i'm figuring out a way to <laughs> it's gonna work out we're 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 gonna change some things that's uh yeah that's all that's always my answer always i that that is a uh they've done what was that what was that amazon show uh, man in the in the high castle <sighs> it was like a what if <laughs> You know, I want that what if of what you're talking about, and I wanted to just run for forever and just make everybody feel bad and awkward. Yes, I'm fu- yes. I'm fine with that. We'll, we'll, we'll crowdfund that very soon. Let's get into this show. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the show. <laughs> Welcome to The Real Canon, a new pod about the genre pop culture we all live, breathe, and help make happen in real time. I'm Charles Pulliamore, writer and culture critic at io9. And I'm John Reisinger, content creator and producer for Rooster Teeth Productions. Today, we're talking about Tomorrow War. Yeah, The Tomorrow War from director Chris McKay is the latest big-budget sci-fi action film that Amazon is banking on being the next big cinematic franchise. Um, The studio has already greenlit a sequel, um, and we wanted to discuss just what an odd entry into the alien invasion and time travel canons this movie is. Uh, But first, we're rolling into cannon fodder, our quick breakdown of an interesting news story that's caught our attention this week. Yeah, Cannon Fodder this week is less of a news story and more so just a, a, a drop. It was a drop, a news drop, but it was the it was What If new- trailer. Yeah, a news drop that I... I the, the really interesting thing about all these Marvel things that have been coming out this year is I remember hearing about them ages ago at Comic-Con. It must have been like two, three, maybe even four years ago. And right. one by one, we all saw them. Wanda came out and said, ha-ha, sitcoms. And then Falcon the Winter Soldier came out and said, ha-ha, politics, question mark. And now Loki <laughs> is, you know, dabbling around in uh, a rather Rick and Morty space. And I feel like a lot of people kind of forgot that while these three live action shows were definitely going to be uh, the hallmarks of this uh, new leg of Disney Plus being like a thing from Marvel, uh, What If was always there out on the horizon. And I think that one of the reasons, two of the reasons actually, 
that it got sort of the short shrift and wasn't necessarily on people's minds. One, it's animated, right? Right. Um, I think anyone who listens to this show knows that we love animation and we whatever do. sort you know, animation is not a lesser art form by any stretch of the imagination. But I do Correct. think that for a lot of people um, for whom the live action stuff has become paramount, uh, the animation stuff was just like, eh. Um, but also, what if as a property is just by definition like, non-canonical stories and right. we right and that as much as we love digging into the the what ifs of various canons and figuring out how they all weave together to become part of the discourse there is a big chunk of uh multiple fandoms that really balks whenever the idea of non-canonical content being put on a pedestal comes up yeah it's it's all i mean what if is also like we we've we've been kind of returning to franchises and titles that everyone's like somewhat familiar with already it's like mm. we know who wandavision is and we know who you know falcon and winter soldier are and that kind of thing but it's like what if is a title and not not that the non-comic people are not familiar with comic people like we all remember what if and, and, and we and we get that um and it's also yeah it's it's a participant in that that uh non-canonical play space that is fun in the comic world like uh there was also another comic series called the end did you ever read that yeah Carl's? yeah 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 where it like it uh it just went through characters like iron man the end and it was just like non-canonical ideas of how their career and or lives ended um, right uh, i remember hulks being quite depressing <laughs> uh and and so what if is a fun time where they it's 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 these it's the multiverse you know that's what it is it's it's what if this happens so then what's the uh what's the butterfly effect of it and so you get to like see things like in the trailer it's like what if peggy carter is captain america and that kind of thing um, right right and it's it's a sandbox that's fun to mess around with and 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 has created you know some characters that have become canonical canon, canonical i know how to say words um <laughs> uh before uh and, and and you know if people i can imagine i can see with what if if there is like a a winner in the series that hmm. like something that people really might latch onto could turn into its own series you know Right. Yeah. I think that you you were bringing up something really interesting about like what if not being um, canonical. I think that the juxtaposition between what if and Loki definitely has more people like considering the possibility of what if not just being what if, but really sort of being like, a, well, here's some of the stuff that's going on in the multiverse um, that was right. alluded to um, in the Loki series. And while that would be interesting um and sort of like haha they figured out a way to make it all one thing um the real fun in something like a what if or really any other kind of else world uh story um that's what you know dc's equivalent are called these just alternate universes where things are slightly different um is often i think that when you come to them as a diehard fan of this kind of entertainment, there's a way that, you know, the strict hard canon, um, the 616 in the comics, um, or, you know, the sacred timeline in the MCU, there's a way that all of that stuff does kind of feel like homework at times, where it's kind of like you need to keep track of who is, you know, uh, in league with who, uh, yeah. who feels what way about certain kind of legislation. And when I say homework, it is like labor and effort to sort of keep up with it, but it's fun, right? 
Whereas something like What If, I'm thinking specifically just off the top of my head, like what jumped out at me? There was a, a hot shot of Wanda, you know, having another mental breakdown, as she is wont to do. But you also see these other things like what if T'Challa was picked up by Yondu and became, um, you know, uh, the Star Reavers? Lord kind of thing. Um, yeah. A Star-Lord, a, a Star-Lord character, essentially. And it's sort of the fun of it is really just sort of that invitation to. Yeah let go of the canon a little bit not to ignore it but just to sort of let it fade into the background to sort of just become this really interesting texture to a whole new story that gives it another added layer of meaning and the fun is just like oh hey you know and this cool and this you know and this wild and it's just like something crazy to look at for a little while and that in and of itself um is in my opinion enough because those are the kinds of conversations like those are kid conversations that you're talking like that's what you're talking yeah. about like on the playground it's like what if Hulk was Hulk, but also the Wasp? And so he was real small, um, but still had all of his Hulk powers. Yeah. How would that what work? What if and Superman like, was I, Russian? <laughs> right. And it's just like, okay, like let's, like, let's see where that goes. And less so with What If, but uh, relatively recently, there was a similar kind of backlash to the new Star Wars series, uh, Star Wars Visions, um, which is going to be a series of anime-inspired shorts um, set in a non-canonical chunk of the Star Wars franchise. And Ooh. so there are things going on, uh, characters who you haven't seen who are probably never going to become a rest, like a part of the rest of the franchise. Um, but the fun of it is just like, all right, well, you know what a lightsaber is. You know what the Force does. You know who the Jedi and the Sith are to one another. Yeah. Let's just throw a bunch of new elements into that mix, if only to give everyone something fresh to knock around in their minds for a little while. Not for the sake of being like, well, here's now, I know it's exactly what's going to come next. But it's just like, hey, remember that thing that you like a lot? Let's, yeah. let's look at it from a slightly different perspective. They sort of did that with the Animatrix as well. A little, uh... Listen, the Animatrix is good. Oh, uh, the Animatrix is very good. I think the Animatrix yep. is good. I, I was, it's just, it's the same kind of thing of like, um, we, 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 you know, we don't have to always just focus on Neo. Like, you know, it's like... Um, Let's just do little animated shorts of what ifs in the anime in the Matrix world. So, I think it's gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to what if. Some people uh, have mixed uh, feelings on it, but once it comes out, we'll be able to judge on whether yeah. it's good or not. Um, but until then, let's talk about another story that messes with its own story and canon. Let's talk about the Tomorrow War. <laughs> Oof. Okay, so Tomorrow War is is what it, it, everyone knows it is. It's a very large, big budget uh, uh, sci-fi action film with a big old muscly man as the poster child of it. We got a Chris Pratt, and he's being all Chris Pratty the entire movie. And this was another movie that was meant to be out in theaters. We were all meant to watch it, you know, in a big dark room eating popcorn, but instead uh, Rona happened. And so <laughs> Amazon uh, said, hey, we'd love to distribute it on Prime. And I, it's a movie that I think that that happens to the betterment of the movie in that this movie was readily available to everyone as Amazon. Um, and that's basically everybody now. Hmm. Um, so with enough of, you know, uh, strategic marketing and really letting people know it's Chris Pratt, whom everybody knows now, it, it, it garnered a ton of success enough to point to the point where like days after premieres amazon's like we're making a second one they are making a second one i mean you know this first tomorrow war introduces us to chris uh chris pratt's character um dan forrester <laughs> just i'm like what is his name i'm digging out the out of the 
the recesses of my mind. Um, he's a teacher, I think, when we first meet him. He's a former um, Green Beret turned teacher who, you know, is very, uh, he loves his family, but he's really stoic. And he's like, what is my place in the world? Goodness, uh, what's going on with the difficult relationship that I have with my father? Um, and <laughs> Dan, like most of the other um, adults uh, in his present day, um, becomes wrapped up in uh, a war that reaches across time. Um, during the middle of a football game, a bunch of soldiers from the future arrive and say, hello, we come from about three decades from now, and the mm -hmm. world is fucked. So we're going <laughs> to recruit you for a global draft so we can go fight aliens that we're not going to tell you anything about. You're just going to get a gun, and that's just going to be it. Mm -hmm. um, and that is the premise of the movie. And as silly as it sounds, right, a lot of successful big-budget um, sci-fi movies in which aliens and or time travel appears have relatively straightforward premises like this, right? Like you, you put these things down on paper and it's like, oh yeah, that is all they do. Um, but <laughs> we were talking about this before the tomorrow war, goodness, it feels like Amazon set out to play the greatest hits in terms of Moments that define this very specific genre of American, oorah, go USA, yeah. I must protect my family. I, as a, I as, a, um, a, as a white man, must protect my frail daughter and wife kind of movie. Um, you know, that is, a, that, is a, that is a mode of storytelling that is very old and very common in Hollywood. That in and of itself does not make the movie um, bad. But the way that the, that the Tomorrow War hits on it, hits on those ideas, um, is very clunky, um, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, to, to the, the talk about the clunkiness, there's nothing, it's very interesting, the Tomorrow War is interesting in that there is nothing both exceptional or necessarily exceptionally horrendous about it. Mm -hmm. Um it, it's, it's, not a, it's not offensive, you know, to the arts, if there's such a thing. Um, but subjective subjective right um but uh yeah very subjective now that i'm thinking about what i just said Anyways, i was i was personally attacked by this film but right right on. right but they <laughs> like like it 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 it's very it's it does nothing nothing about it really is going to be a, a a memorable thing about it. no one's going to really really think back and think this is a this is this was a shining moment in chris pratt's career or that this was a uh, super memorable addition to the time travel, you know, genre, um, hmm. which which continues to become more and more uh, of of a lengthy, you know, videography um, as people keep adding more of these movies. But like, there's, the, I don't think this movie is going to be that way. But because of the fact, like what you were calling out, where it is, it it plays those best of hits of of these these you know pseudo iconic moments that happen in these movies. It 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 kind of it plays as as a good movie like it plays as a good movie but i it's not actually succeeding at the good movie things yeah i mean like immediately just from the trailer alone you can see so much of the influence that went into this film there's a little bit of independence day obviously there's a yeah. whole heaping of the edge of tomorrow and i'm trying yeah. to think of goodness what is that movie with Matthew McConaughey where he goes into the future? Or rather, he's in the future, but then he goes to the past and he's behind a bookshelf and he pushes a book to inspire his Interstellar, to Interstellar. Interstellar. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And it's just like, I truly, uh, inter, inter, Interstellar is Maybe a movie. Maybe the I, best description of Interstellar ever. 
But is that not what is happens? That, He's like, my daughter. Yeah, got it's inspired. that time traveling movie where Matthew McConaughey plays around in a library with the books. Yeah, and he pushes a book over, and his daughter's like, Eureka, I'm going to figure out how to save the future. I don't remember the film all that much. But those three movies are so present in this film that you can't help but sort of think to yourself, I mean, okay, like those are some rather memorable films um, that were successful in terms of how they uh, resonated with people. And I think that they were all box office successes. Um, But in its execution of moments, oh, I left one out. There's also quite a bit of Alien, uh, multiple Alien movies in this. We are talking original alien um we're getting all the way into um what was it called prometheus the one with the the big yeah um, yeah you know there's 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 a prometheus uh throwback to this and so you're like all right um the tomorrow war if you're gonna go if you're gonna aim at all of these iconic or memorable films let's see how you hold up against them and you're right it's not that they are if they were how to put if they were sort of like laughably tee hee hee bad there would almost sort of be a kind of like oh this is ridiculous and fun kind of quality to it yeah but it is instead sort of like a very middle of the road maybe no one will notice that we're aping all of these movies and it's like buddy like i've seen installments of the scary movie franchise that were a little less obvious in uh, (laughs) in the things that they were riffing off of and I feel like in more in, in many cases, the, the Tomorrow War ends up feeling like less than the sum of its parts, because in trying to be and call back to so many other movies, you can see that this movie doesn't quite know what it wants to be. This episode of The Real Ken is brought to you by RTX. Hey, you like this show? Are you enjoying this content? You're probably going to like RTX at home as well. RTX at home is Rooster Tees virtual convention happening July 8th through 17th. Uh, it's free for anyone to check out on Rooster Tees app and website, and you'll definitely see a lot more content just like this there. Um, another show that I'm on called Tales from the Stinky Dragon is a D&D podcast, and we'll be performing a live version of the D&D uh, today, July 13th, when this episode drops. So go check that out. You can come check out 10 days of panels and podcasts about comedy, animation, gaming, and more at RTX at Home, July 8th through 17th, only on Rooster Teeth. Go to rtxevent.com for more information. Thanks. The thing about the Tomorrow War that I, I wish that it had succeeded in, that it, it never played around, was that there was, there was nothing challenging about anything the Tomorrow War was trying to pull off, whether it be with story or with character or with design, it it didn't try to eke out any sort of you know a clever new space. Uh, it, it, instead, and, you know it, it. There's I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with taking you know uh, uh, cues from those who have you know walked before you in in the space hmm. that you're playing in. That's 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 art. That's that's common. Um, but hopefully, you're adding something new to the conversation. You know, we right. were, when we as as we were discussing this, we were talking a lot about Edge of Tomorrow and that. There's a lot of things about Edge of Tomorrow that really make it stand out, you know, uh, whether it be like Emily Blunt's very standout performance as this strong female, uh, uh, you know, epic war hero, or uh, even just the the cleverness of using like this video game like reset style mm-hmm. of Tom Cruise. But even just like the fact that Tom Cruise's character 
is not a regular Tom Cruise character. And we got to right. see Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise is, Tom Cruise is playing against type. And Emily Blunt is not playing against type because I totally buy Emily. Like, oh, yeah, Emily Blunt would join the military and kill some aliens. I buy that. But what she's playing against, there's just there's this video going around about like um, the kinds of limited performances that women are allowed to have in sci-fi films. And mm-hmm. one's like, I'm an emotionally distant um, scientist, uh, which is what uh, Chris Pratt's uh, uh, character's daughter, daughter Yvonne, <laughs> ends up um, ends up being in this. Emily Blunt was very actively playing to Metroid, which is to say against the kind of archetype that um, not just like a strong, like not just like a strong warrior, but like also like not exactly a strong scientist. She truly is just like out there chopping shit up left and right, um, and that coupled with Tom Cruise, like, you know, screaming as if he's about to shit himself. The movie is winking and nodding at you saying like, ha ha, we know what you thought this was. We're going to do something a little bit different. And we're going to use time travel in a way that really makes you, it doesn't sort of act as like an excuse for things to happen. It's more sort of like an interesting conceit. I will say that the Tomorrow Wars time travel, it, I will give it points for coming up with the concept of time travel that created obstacles that felt new Um, in this film. The two points in time that are anchored. Well, before I even get there. So in the future, um, aliens called White Spikes uh, have taken over and they basically look like the Cloverfield monster, but they got a few more tentacles that shoot spikes at you. Um, Mm -hmm. In this future, the world is ruined. (laughs) The world is entirely ruined. There's like 500,000 people left. Only 500,000 people left. And it's like the White Spikes got y'all on the ropes. And yet somehow humanity has managed to finagle um, some time travel with some gum and some wire and some cans in the middle of the ocean. Okay. (laughs) And uh, they can travel into the past. And they can only travel to one point in the past, which the movie tells you is moving through time at the same rate that the future point in time is. So there is no way that anyone can jump to a slight moment before the alien invasion starts. Okay, sure. Um, One of the big things about time travel movies, in order for them to work, they have to establish their rules early on so that, you know, the rule creates both an obstacle and, like, a means of of survival for the characters by the end. And the movie does do that. It does set up an obstacle for itself. But again, because there's so much else going on in this movie that just does not seem to have been quite as well thought out, the time travel ends up uh, not being annoying, but sort of like in a world where humanity has made its first contact with the future, I feel like this film doesn't take the time travel, it doesn't give it enough import, right? Um, there are multiple points where people are just kind of like, oh, yeah, there's just a you go to the future, you probably die. And if you don't, you just come back. There's no real sort of time or thought that goes into like, how does this shit work? Should we trust them? Should we you know, should there be any sort of resistance to this whole come to the future? It's just very kind of it's just there floating in the background and it goes so unaddressed. It just goes so unaddressed. It just it just hurts the film, I think. Yeah, it it almost like. I, you know, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say, I, I, you know, well, it's almost like the time travel has no real purpose other than to give Chris Pratt's character, Forrester, a chance to, you know, uh, this is a little bit, this is a spoiler, and we're going to spoil a little bit of the movie we got to talk about, you know, that time he meets bit. his daughter, but it's for him to meet his daughter, which then gives him this, like, it's a wonderful life, you know, kind of opportunity to 
change his ways so that when the movie ends, you know, Chris Pratt has learned that his life isn't as bad as he thought it was and that he needs to you know, hold on to his wife and daughter and make amends with his dad and all that kind of stuff. And so the the time travel doesn't actually like aid in in anything other than his character growth like the time travel yeah. doesn't actually help the war it doesn't give a, re- give a real reason for the war because it's not even like when they go into the future it's all like super futuristic or or things have changed a, a ton or and it's not even like them going back in time gave them an opportunity to fix the war they didn't even use that as an opportunity they used it just to get more bodies um, into the so future the travel- it's like there's you're you're outnumbered something like i don't know one to 50 in this war and you think sending a few people through one little portal is going to i mean okay that does not seem like the most well thought out plan but if you must it I just it just the time travel just really didn't serve much of a purpose then other than to create um an opportunity for them to make an urgent war that they can convince you that everyone would rally behind immediately um because hmm. that's kind of like where they wanted to get you to as fast as possible they wanted you to just kind of get into a world where the entire world is rallied together against this one enemy, um, which then you know g- gives the film this this vehicle to 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 create a, a romantic story around like the, the military persona. You know, you know, Chris Pratt's character is exalted in this movie because mm. the fact that he is ex-military is is the asset that makes him valuable above almost all of other humans that yeah. enter into the movie. That um, is something that we should, we should sit with this for a second, because I think one of my biggest issues with the film is the way that it really does revolve around Chris Pratt's character and does not go out of its way to give anyone else any recognizable motivation or sort of like compelling things to do. And there's a difference between like, all right, well, this is this character's movie and this movie is sort of dropping the ball in terms of ignoring everybody else. But in its focusing on Chris Pratt, there is so much of that. Like um, you, you see that because Chris Pratt, you know, was a green beret, he is infinitely better equipped to deal with the future, which makes sense, right? Like I, I, I buy that, 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 you know, that, 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 that gels with logic, but then as the film goes on, there is no attempt to sort of bring anyone else into Chris Pratt's orbit to remind mm-hmm. you that this is truly a global initiative, right? Uh, during one of the during one of the montages at the uh, beginning of uh, the war, you see that oh, it's the most unprecedented thing in history has happened. Every world government has agreed to participate in this, and it's like really, really. <laughs> um, we just through, went living- through something that kind of contradicts that. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, all right, like uh, <laughs> I've been talking about um, uh, the most recent Resident Evil series that also bears a, 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 a number of alarming similarities to our reality and how like movies really do have to start kind of reassessing this whole like everybody's going to get on board with doing the right thing. thing. And it's like, <laughs> no, that's not no. true. But, you know, this film was like, all right, everybody got together and said, we're going to do this. But no thought was put into, all right, let's send all of the trained people first. Instead, you just get this, you get Chris Pratt's character who just so happens to be former military. And then you see everyone around him die. Right. And it's not yeah. that you see other people dying um, as they are really effectively defending their country, they die in embarrassing and horrific ways. People getting, you know, 
there's one one of the actual memorable uh, shots of the film comes when there is a botched jump into the future and everyone lands in the wrong place. A number of people land, you know, something like 20 stories in the air and they fall to their deaths. And it's very like, oh, shit. Um, very is, like into Titanic people falling off the boat kind of very views. Titanic. There's a little bit of a happening thrown in there. Um, yep. And it's very, it's very haunting, but it quickly becomes sort of um, like a, uh, well, sucks to be these assholes, right? Because <laughs> It does. Because, it does. Right, because Chris Pratt, uh, he just so happens to land in a pool along with Sam Richardson's character. Um, and then it's just, um, honestly, at that point, the movie really does start to feel like David Ayer's Suicide Squad for a while. You've just got a bunch of people with yeah. a bunch of weapons that really aren't effective, um, wandering through a barren wasteland. And Chris Pratt's like, the only way you're going to be able to stay alive is by being near me. And because the film went out of its way so much to establish Chris Pratt, not as being a military person, but being as a military person who had come home to his family and left that life behind, the film has a way of dipping into... Um, Goodness, what is that? Uh, what is that sniper movie called? Was Chris Pratt in that movie? Or was that Bradley Cooper? Oh, that's a Bradley Cooper. Uh, might be called just Sniper. What was it called? Uh, I, 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 it's, it's escaping me. Go with a really it, bad baby. Sure, sure. Do you remember the bad baby prop? I don't. No, no. There's a shot. Okay, in this movie, which I am googling right now, so we can actually name what this movie is. Uh, American <laughs> Sniper. It was called. It was American, American Sniper. Sniper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's not. American There's a shot. <laughs> There's. There's a shot in this movie where they clearly like I know bad things happen on set where like you had planned something and it doesn't work out. They clearly had planned to have a, a live baby on set, but then couldn't, couldn't get so a probably baby. A prop person was told to grab the closest prop baby they could, and it's just bad. And there's there's this shot of just Chris of, of Bradley Cooper uh, cradling this very clearly toy, um, and we can all see it's a toy. It's just a really bad shot. Anyways, American oh Sniper, God. you're talking yes. about. Yeah, but okay, but actually, you know what? Thank you for bringing this up, because one, that is a clearly a fake baby, and two, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like honestly, if you try, if there was one shot from American Sniper that really echoed the energy of the Tomorrow War, it is this, right? Because you have this, you have Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt and Bradley Cooper's characters are very similar, you know, they're yeah. sort of not haunted but sort of distant from their families around them yeah and I mean, it's, it's the military guy that does that doesn't yeah. is, isn't succeeding in in the civilian world yeah and like struggles a little bit you know being with a civilian and then it's like okay so we're telling we're telling this movie again all right mm -hmm. um and if the movie did a better job now here's the thing if you told me all right it's american sniper but it involves a future war that is a premise that doesn't that i don't that doesn't sound terrible like i'll watch no. that movie but in order to make something like that work, you really have to get a lot of that emotional groundwork laid in order for it to, you know, not just come across as um, yeah, like a word cloud, like 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 this, like this was this generated movie, by an AI or something. Yeah, the Tomorrow War is the uh, the story of tell don't show, and they and mm. they 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 talk at you about a lot of stuff and don't really show you a ton. Like there's obviously like big action set pieces throughout the film, but a lot of the character development and and, and story is just told through, uh, you know, just monologues that really don't show us anything about these characters. Um, whether it be Chris Pratt's character or any of the supporting characters, we're just told everything. There's there's even a moment where Chris Pratt has a what they want you to think is a heartfelt moment with his daughter in the future, where she has this whole long monologue about what happened to 
Dan Forrester, you know, in the 30 years since the since that time they're in now. And it really would have been something that was more compelling if we had like seen some of that, like if they had shown some flashes of it or we could have seen some of Chris Pratt's character being that way. But it's a lot of talking at us. Yeah. And I think that I'm thinking to myself, like, listen, this movie is a movie where the past is technically the present for one of its characters. And so do something with that. But then I'm thinking to myself like, Oh, I guess why that's why the rule is the way that it is. You only get to go one way or you only get so many trips, but it's just like, nah. Another show I'd love to talk to you about is called off topic. Even people who play games for a living need a break, and that's where Off Topic comes in. Every Friday, join the cast of Achievement Hunter for Off Topic, a weekly wind-down pairing conversation with drinks. Off Topic serves as a place for Achievement Hunter to talk about everything and nothing happening in the world in their lives. Whether they're talking about GTA and Minecraft, to discussions on movies, politics, food, and everything in between, join the crew for a dose of friends, fun, laughs, and libations. Watch Off Topic Live every Thursday and listen to it later on Rooster Teeth, YouTube, and on your favorite podcasting service. That's live on Thursdays and available to stream Fridays. The movie also never fully decides on, on where it lands on changing the future by changing the past because they do certain things that shows them being like very cautious and, and careful about changing the future. Like they, they point out that only young people were sent back in time. So they're people that aren't born yet. So they're never, they can't meet people who they can't meet themselves and they're sending people to the future who are old and are going to die before the war. Because again, they don't want to cross streams of people being in there. But then once he gets to the future, she, his daughter protests for maybe a moment to not tell him about the past, but then tells him the whole past and tells him all everything. of it. All of it. And then also the whole hero story is that they're trying to, they're trying to find a, a, a toxin that will kill all the white spikes. And I mean, they could, if they had discovered it in time and could have like used it to kill them all in that future timeline, they would have, but they can't. So then he takes it to the past and is trying to change the future. So the movie never decides whether it wants to play that space or not, which is confusing. I, I wonder how much of that is because there was always the potential for a sequel coming out. I assume that that had to have been the case uh, because the announcement came out so soon versus, you know, the, the screenwriters just did not think that it would bother audiences quite as much. I've been trying to think about this movie um, in the larger you know, respective canons of other kinds of films that it exists in and trying to like come to grips with my feelings about like where it stands. And you're right. I, you're right. It, it is, it is, I mean, it, the movie, the movie costs $200 million and it looks like it, right? Like you can clearly yeah. see that this was not a cheaply haphazardly no. put together movie, um, which, you know, a little bit of shine goes a long way, but when, you know, the the candy wrapping to something is all that there is um you really do have to think to yourself like well was this worth it in the end what was this for and i don't know that as a consumer i came away from this movie thinking that i had taken away anything interesting or meaningful or significant that i would think about when contemplating alien movies or time travel movies in the future mm -hmm. I do think, though, that it's pretty obvious why Amazon made it, um, because we were talking earlier, <clears throat> if this movie had been released in theaters, would it have been successful? I don't think so. 
Um, I think that it probably would have made an okay amount of money. I'm not sure that we have proper box office numbers. Well, of course we don't because it's Amazon. Um, yeah. And therein lies sort of like the core thing. Amazon, as much as it definitely enjoys when its projects are met with critical um, and audience acclaim, their goal is not to sweep at the Oscars all the time. They would love it, right? Like if, 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 if an Emmy nom comes around, if an Oscar nom comes around, fabulous. But mm-hmm. the goal with these, um, with these prime originals is to keep content on prime. Um, I think that compared to a lot of the other streaming platforms, there is a way that because Amazon is so integrated into so much of our lives that Amazon for a lot of people is easier to, consider as like an analog to television right it's just the box where there's always something on and because you're all Mm -hmm. you're already paying for your prime subscription sure just go see it and something like edge of tomorrow for i like (laughs) feeling wise i feel like oh if you told me that this is coming on tnt at three forty-five on a sunday when it's thunderstorming really hard i believe you right like i would totally believe you and Mm -hmm. that to me seems like the kind of content that Amazon knows that a broad enough swath of people will gravitate to to make it worth it financially in the long term. And mind you, Amazon is a lawsuiting company, right? Sink money into this stuff because it's all about the sandbox. That they'll do Mm -hmm. that for something like this. My big question is like, okay, so you did this first one and I got a passing grade um, enough to justify a second one. Next time around, are you going to try to really dot your i's and cross your t's in terms of no. the minutia you why know not, not. <laughs> but, I'm, but maybe millimeters <laughs> I, I i'm so pessimistic right now i just because i wanted to go see a movie in the movie theaters because i just i just you know i miss it and that kind of thing mm. i went and saw the hitman's wife's bodyguard um <laughs> and Excellent i title. i I by no means thought this was going to be a good movie. The first one was just like a passable action comedy um, with Ryan Reynolds and and uh, uh, Samuel Jackson. Um, mm-hmm. The sequel is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my entire life. They Ooh, spicy they, because they they simply just made the sequel and were like, let's forget everything about the characters and the story from the first one, and we'll just make this one as silly and, like, no, they, they, they wrote they wrote all the characters as dumb. They made all these characters, like, as dumb as possible so that silly things could happen throughout the entire movie um, mm. to, like, a, a, a grating degree. Um, mm. And so, I, 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 it, but it reminded me, it was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's what sequels can be, is that if you have a really successful big-budget first film, then you just make a second film with half the budget and uh, get, you know, at least some of the audience to come back and then you're a success. So I don't see Tomorrow War 2 being like anything that fixes it. But prove me wrong. I'm fine I with mean, being proved wrong. Um, I, wa- I want you to be wrong, but at the same time, we won't, I won't spoil who, but like there are characters who are like name brand celebrities who just like show up and die and you're like well, what were you here for like why, why what <laughs> i mean okay and it, it, it does it does suggest that um the tomorrow tomorrow war or the today war whatever it's going to be called um might just feature a bunch of new actors um flanking chris pratt as he shoots up a bunch of white spikes i don't i don't i don't i'm not sure i'm not sure the way that this movie ends definitely did not leave as much open-endedness as I thought is as, as, as I thought 
necessary for like a sequel, but you know, there was but neither always did Edge of Tomorrow. One. They're making a second one of that, huh? Yeah, there's there's been a long long running sequel in production for that show, and I they're feel, finally I like I feel like I feel like I knew this, and then it like drifted out of my head because it just yeah. like never materialized, although it didn't go away. But I mean, like I look at it this way, right? Edge of Tomorrow, I still have such positive feelings about that first movie that if and when a second one comes along to be honest with you the fact that it's been so long since i'd seen the first and that makes me that much more excited about this like sure. the idea of a second one yeah and with the tomorrow war between its lackluster first outing and this immediate hey here's another it's like ooh, okay i have not finished this one yet let me i'm just nursing this one here if you could come back in like two years maybe we'll talk but remember how good the not- independence day sequel was don't do that don't do that don't be rude <laughs> what what independence day sequel what are you talking about what was it called independence day See, we can't even remember the word they added you're to just it. you're just making this up there's only one independence day film <laughs> one exactly one starring will smith and may whitman it's very nice wasn't there a hemsworth in the second one there's a hemsworth i think one don't of them <laughs> um it, yeah uh it's it's tomorrow war is 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 the the sh- the shotgun version of a movie it's like just shoot as wide of 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 a of a load of like of hitting all the targets of, of like generic uh generalism and you know do it in an era where everyone is still mostly staying at home still and very much uh trained to just consume a lot of their content on their streaming services that are already on their tvs and you you've got you know a quote unquote hit um but i for one am a, I'm a, was was kind of bored by it and and wanted something more clever and charming from it um i i think chris pratt is capable of better performances i'm not really a huge fan of him a lot lately but i think he's capable of more than what he gave um and that also makes me worried about his continued, you know, choices of his career um, after the Jurassic World franchise and now this. Mm. Um, I think I can I can kind of see where his trajectory is aiming now and mm. don't have high hopes for the future. Well, thing, I mean, thing you 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 mentioning uh, this sequel makes me think. All right, well, another example of a, a franchise getting a sequel that I don't necessarily think needed one. The Quiet Place Two, A Quiet Place Two came out, right? Right. It was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Emily Blunt's turn, right? She's like, all right, it's my movie now. Um, John yep. Krasinski's behind the camera, but it's her movie, right? If we're going to have the Tomorrow War, um, let it be Betty Gilpin's movie, right? Betty Gilpin, fantastic. Love her. Love her and everything. She's got the range. She can do a lot of great things. She can do so much more than be someone's simpering, uninterested wife waiting at home for them to come back from the future war. Um, I would, I would... I would be piqued. My interest would be piqued if that um, were a big part of this pitch. But if he was such an unsuccessful teacher, how did they afford that house they were in? Did you see the house they were in? It was. A, it was. Here's the thing, right? It's a. It's. It's a whole. It's a house. House. It's like, oh, y'all got money. Like, y'all, I'm like, okay. Like, what's going on here? You don't seem yeah. beloved by your students. You don't seem. To be, it's. It was just very. It was it was a fantasy. It was a fantasy being marketed at someone who I know was so dissimilar from myself that I thought to myself, "Huh, all right, this is what I like." <laughs> Wait, you didn't see yourself in this movie, Charles? I don't know how. I mean, no, no, no. Unfortunately, <laughs> I um, as much as I love Sam Richardson, I just could not uh, could not throw my weight behind. Uh, <laughs> 
throw my weight behind that character in this film. Listen, uh, if you like Sam Richardson, I'm letting everybody know to check out Werewolves Within. It is a fun, simple comedy horror film. Uh, it just came out on uh, uh, streaming service. You have to rent it. Um, it's in theaters as well. Um, but Sam Richardson, still I have hopes for him, even though his character was was nothing worth uh, calling home about in this one. Um, but check him out, Werewolves Within. Check quality, him out. Quality movie. Any other thoughts about Tomorrow War? I truly have nothing else to say about this movie. What's hey, how about how about this little something a little different? I'm gonna throw you a little curveball. Curve sure. Ball. Something. What's something that you've been liking that we can like end this on a note of like just things we like. Like I, 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 I seriously, I plug Werewolves Within. It is that indie comedy that doesn't just try to go for like you know fart jokes for an hour and a half. Mm. Um, it has a simple premise. It's based off of you know a game. Um, and the movie is short. It's like 70, eight, eight, 70 minutes, something like that, which is great. Just like get yeah. in, get out. Um, oh, actually it's about an hour and a half, but it doesn't feel that long. Mm. Um, very, very smart and funny cast. Um, and if you like, uh, you know, somewhat gory horror movies that have a lot of humor inject in, injected into them this is that kind of a movie um okay i see your movie and i'm going to raise you a series of books um i have been reading a lot of diana Wynne jones's novels um i'd seen howl's moving castle uh, hayao miyazaki's um, adaptation of it um and thought to myself like okay yeah you know there's a there's that that lothario wizard in his big ass coat harassing that poor, <laughs> that poor old woman and i don't know why she's around him um yeah but i finally got around to giving the original book a read and was really blown away by how different um different they are tonally uh, the energy is very mm. same the whimsy and the dynamic that exists um between Hal and sophie but there is a very specific um sort of dry sharp humor uh that diana Wynne jones has and an eye for characterization um that really has been delighting the hell out of me and has gotten me really excited to go back and watch the original film even though it's not really one of my favorite ghibli movies um, yeah it's one of those experiences where seeing the movie first and then reading the book afterwards has sort of re-energized me um just like off the top of my hat, the opening couple of chapters, they're all about workers' rights. You know, she, Sophie's just like, excuse me, you do how much labor for whom? With what compensation? <laughs> Absolutely not. And it's so, um, they are small elements of a story that is otherwise about, you know, a magical Lothario. But it has made me smile on more than a few occasions and has made me happy to uh, have a library card. I would I would recommend then if you've been if you've done the book now in the movie uh, I'm gonna have to just link you this but my, a buddy of mine who does uh, video documentaries on YouTube um, called uh, the series is called Film Joy and my buddy's name is is Mikey Newman nice. and he does amazing uh, uh, well thought out video documentaries on on enjoying films and why we should enjoy them and, and the depth behind them and he did a very interesting one about Howl's Moving Castle and particularly Miyazaki's relationship with it. And his relationship to this story, because that's that is an old. The reason why the movie is made is that it's one of Miyazaki's favorite stories from, um, I, I believe, when he was a child. Um, 
and uh yeah i'll have to i'll have to send you a link to check out uh mikey i was i I was reading an interview that diana win jones gave and she was speaking about um miyazaki's film and she's like oh what a lovely film that's not my story but it's his adaptation and it's the kind of cordiality between creators and i'm like that's right two ships passing in the wind saying like huh nice car hmm and then (laughs) keeping it pushing in both directions (laughs) uh great that was fun that was fun just to recommend some some nice things uh after we somewhat panned um a movie that maybe some people enjoyed um but that's how it goes and like like charles (laughs) says we have to we have to you know divorce from our 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 media sometimes and be okay to hear some criticism about it it's okay okay. it makes the reunions that much sweeter yeah Send us off, Charles. <laughs> All right. That brings this episode of The Real Canon to a close. If you liked what you heard, and we know you did, please be sure to give us a follow so you don't miss a single show. We have new episodes coming out every Tuesday. Yeah, and if this episode was your first time checking us out uh, and you want to talk more about what we covered today, uh, please follow us on social uh, as well as, uh, you know, if, if you're listening to us on, on a service that allows you to review us, review us. Leave us a nice little review. That's a good thing to do. But you can find us at, at Real Canon Pod and uh, that's also how you can send us to your friends way and let them know about this wonderful podcast we're making all right you guys so get ready get hyped and we'll be back next week with more of the real canon <laughs>